0: What I particularly like to um, focus on today is is generating a meaningful world, a world that really means something to us intimately, meaning something that's not ravaged by fear or anxiety or uh, demand, (laughs) Uh, pressure, Mm -hmm. comfortable, comfortable world. And uh, the world of the suttas uh, presents certain advantages to, I suggest, to uh, the world that many people experience these days. They make no bones about it that uh, this is a world of aging sickness and death, uh, of robbers and brigands, of tyrants and uh, disease. <laughs> and that's, they, don't, you know, they don't seem to present any kind of alternative. <laughs> that, just, it's, not, it's not just because there's bad guys out there. <laughs> it's, like, it's not somebody else. It's, uh, you know, this is, this is part of what we're in. But they also present uh, uh, another uh, world. In fact, uh, the world of the cities is actually multi-layered, whereas we tend to live in a rather flat cosmos, yeah, uh, which extends geographically, basically, geographical cosmos. And uh, the, the people in those days had probably, you know, hadn't spanned the geographical cosmos. So they'd seen enough of it to recognize... This place, birth, aging, sickness, death, <laughs> wherever you go, it's the same. <laughs> and so they have another, also have a, a horizontal cosmos. So it's, it's holistic, a you know, horizontal cosmos. Well, you yeah, know, there's, there's the world of the devas, the spirits, the gods. Uh, and there's a world beneath that, you know, hungry ghosts and demons. And there's these very refined worlds that we can also access and uh, you know there's this kind of horizontal cosmos as well as the uh, sorry vertical cosmos as well as a, a horizontal cosmos and you can, you can move up and down in that <laughs> and the point of this was uh, from the Buddhist point of view anyway that you can move in, up and down in that cosmos through your own direct actions you're not subject to the forces of uh, the ge- geographical cosmos or you, know, you are to a certain extent, but you've got much more uh, play on it. Uh, and the, the way to move through that, uh, the um, vertical cosmos is through uh, virtue, <laughs> through goodness, through generosity, through meditation. And through this, you can definitely both um, uh, move to places in the cosmos, which will be for your welfare in this present life, as long as it lasts, and uh for a future life, and even possibly to get out of the cosmos altogether <laughs> so that that that's the presentation you know uh, so this becomes very meaningful because what the Buddha is saying is, well, you know you do have that possibility to 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 move through that cosmos, yeah. And also you have a certain, there's a certain caution because you can also plummet down. <laughs> and this is considered a pretty moderate state of being the human realm. If you start going down, it gets really bad, <laughs> you know, and not just, there's not just one, there's 16 levels of hells, each with kind of um, appendix hells attached to them, you know, and this, this kind of thing. And we can think, wow, well, yeah, you know. Sort of fantasies, fables, fairy stories. Yeah, fables. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what isn't? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how many fables do you hear from the uh, uh, mouths of the leaders of the country? and uh, and so forth you know Uh, so what isn't and then what do you really dwell in actually really dwell in is the intimate world which you could call fable imaginal it's not it's immaterial you live in the world it's certainly catalyzed by events on this um horizontal plane But I think more that you introspect, you realise that events on the horizontal plane merely trigger such things as fear, intimidation, joy, love, warmth, um, depression, and so forth. And that um, actually, you know, in, in even when the geographical cosmos is, you know, it's not so bad. You know, you're not being invaded and besieged by. Brigands, or you know, pestilence, or plague—people miserable, <laughs> anxiety, depression, fear, uh, resentment, and so forth—and uh, often they psychologically very um, maladjusted or afflicted. Uh, and, and so, where's that? Where's that? Is that Kansas? Is it? France, is it? No, it's the immaterial cosmos. And that's actually the center where we live. The rest of it's, you know, it's, it has effects, but the rest of it is um, a stage in which we can enact qualities from our immaterial center and be, have that blessed, uplifted, um, rejected, shut down. Yeah. You know? So this in a way is just uh, this geographical so sensual world is seen as just a kind of a triggering point for the real world or for the intimate world, which is the world that really counts yeah, in the long run. And of course, in this, you had a very long view of, well, this birth, next birth, so on, you know, or another world uh, and so forth, you have a very wide view um there are certain adv- certain um advantages in that yeah you know disadvantages can be that one neglects one's duties on this geographical plane or doesn't really take it seriously but the advantages i think for people particularly at that time was recognizing you know well here we are you know we're stuck here um this is not really that good news <laughs> And they've, they've acknowledged that. Let's uh, find out where we can um, find the greatest benefit. And, uh, and 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 actually, you know, this was the making uh, sacred uh, was considered extremely important um, thing to do to make to enter the sacred, yeah. yeah, to enter that. So in other words, to potentize the forces of the of the vertical cosmos of the meaning cosmos which could be in, in you know depending on how that's configured but it could be configured with uh, benevolent spirits uh, gods deities and that's been the story for human beings for thousands of years it's only really the last 300 years we've kind of dumped it more or less uh and you know for a flat world uh, in which we are the only thing that's meaningful <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's that is not so good because there's no respect uh, and uh, there's rights, there's no responsibilities, there's entitlement, uh, there's domination, there's exploitation, and we do it to, to other creatures, we do it to the planet, we do it to each other, and we do it to ourselves. So you know what sounded like it should be the best. You know we are the we are the only thing that counts. We don't have to. You know, um, defer to anyone. You know, puts us in a very bleak cosmos, which has got nothing else in it apart from our own will and intentions. So, but, <clears throat> and you see the results. <clears throat> in many ways, you know. Now, it's not. Uh, but then, the the Buddha is also saying, well, you know, it's not that we just sit here in this you know, cosmos and ask for the gods to give us a hand. No, we, we actually are potent within that and we can potentize the good forces and this is not just through some ritual, this is through uh, what really makes things sacred is giving uh, uh, response, ethics, uh, renunciation, um, Clearing the mind of the hindrances, uh, developing uh, deep meditation, uh, freeing liberation—that's what—that's the supreme, making things sacred. Then you enter a very sacred uh, cosmos. Sacred meaning: everything is precious. Everything, nothing is dead. Nothing is valueless. There's no dirt. There's no dumping. Everything has its meaning and place. Everything is treated with respect. And def, you know, and you you live in that, and that, you know, that supremely charges and regenerates and heightens the potency of the individual. That's there's there's the meaning. You become the locus of meaning. That's the Buddha's um, view but uh even prior to that in this uh Vedic worldview you had uh you certainly had this, this sorry this vertical or this other domain this immaterial cosmos uh and but you made it you you made the sacred through making oblations uh offerings um to various deities so that was, that was the only way you did it really um yeah and then they, they would come and you know do you a favor or bring rain or something like that, yeah. or bestow blessings. So they've definitely held that as that, that that's the possibility, of making something sacred. This is what it means by sacrifice. And I say that because by and large when we think of sacrifice, we think of it probably in a very limited uh, domain, meaning painful. <laughs> <laughs> I sacrifice something, but consider the word sacrifice comes from these two, to make something sacred. And I think as we look at the first sutta, you'll, you'll, you'll get that, what the put because the word, our, our word sacrifice doesn't fit to what is presented. It starts off seemingly fitting, but then as you come to the end of that discourse, you recognize, no, this is something different. This is not about painful, um, yeah, uh, uh, something bloodletting of some kind. So this was the um, the meaningful cosmos, and you then become the locus of it. Mm. And so essentially, the f- first and, and necessary. Um, yeah, it seems to be necessary. There isn't an alternative presented in the suttas, is that first you have to uh, heal. Healing is one word, become whole, become holy. Um, It means uh, clearing the mind of these feedback loops of uh, karma, of negative karma. Mm. And you do this first of all from refraining from further actions that may be unskillful or corrupted. And then that's then you begin to clear the results of any corrupted actions that may have been part of, or even the results of um, things that have been affected to you. So, it's just, so then the mind then becomes potent. It's no longer cowering or, or weighed down or hindered. It becomes potent. Then it say now you have the resources for you know um, deep realizations insights to 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 uh, liberate you from this cause and effect uh, run around okay so the search for meaning is important for everyone what what am I here for? why am I alive what's the point being here and we find various meanings could be you know uh, um be happy, to uh, have good health, to be doing something interesting, to live with good people, to, you know, sort of meanings are generally there. And, and so this, this is always the case for human beings. But in, uh, in a situation where there was much less control over the material domain, there was a much greater emphasis on the immaterial as being, this is the best place to invest your efforts. And once we enter or we quit or we limit the immaterial domain and we focus purely on the material, which tends to be, you know, the trajectory of modern Western or the mainstream, the material is the most important, then, um, yeah, you, you do get, say, to live to be 85 rather than 60. Or, you know, yeah. But then... Living to eighty-five as a miserable neurotic wreck isn't such a good idea, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so they thought, well, the best thing to do is, is uh, use this time, while this before this body eventually does break up, um, uh, to to uh, re- to to realise and into the, the meaning a, a meaning that will get beyond just this materiality, which they saw as extremely limited. And again, they make no no bones about it. You know, it's always said, at the breaking up of the body. You just linger on that for a moment. go into the situation, no anesthetics, right? No hospitals. Maybe a doctor can come and stick a knife in you or put some leeches on you or give you some herbs to chew. Um, The body, you don't pass away. (laughs) You break up. Uh, yeah, and So this is a constant feature of the narratives, the, the suttas, that somebody afflicted with ringworm, boils, leprosy, enduring miserable racking pains. And they go, bear up, bear up. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's the medicine. <laughs> Recollect your good deeds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> take refuge in the Buddha oh, oh. <laughs> hurry up quick because you're not going to last much longer <laughs> there's a sort of imperative behind it there's no painkillers <laughs> mm-hmm. so when we look in the, one of the early suttas um, this particular point is there It's uh, one of the first ones is Sammanyapala Long Sutta, which I won't go into in detail, but King Ajatasattu is feeling very miserable. He's just killed his father, so that's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he's trying to find someone who will kind of make him feel, make his help his mind settle down. So he goes around to visit these various um his, his ministers. Say, well, you know, there's these great sages. You can go and talk to them. They'll maybe give something to help you. Uh, you know. Become calmer or more happy. So he goes and visits the various sages, and there's six of them, and they have. Um, so it's always considered, you know, of, of when you're looking for guides in the immaterial cosmos, the people who've really got it together, the great pilots uh, of the immaterial cosmos. You go to the summoners and brahmins because they're the ones who've specialised in this. You know, they, they it's their territory. So you go and check these fellows out. And of course, the, he visits these six and in the suttas, they're all presented rather, in colour, buffoons, actually. So, the uh, first one, Purana Kasapur says, Well, Your Majesty, by the doer or instigator of things, by one who cuts or causes to be cut, one who burns or causes to be burned, one who causes grief and weariness, one who agitates or causes agitation, one who causes life to be taken or that which is not given to be taken, Commits burglary, carries off booty, commits a robbery, lies in ambush, commits adultery, tells lies, no evil is done. If with a razor sharp wheel one were to make of this earth one single mass and heap of flesh, there will be no evil. If we aren't along the south bank of the Ganges, killing, slaying, cutting or causing to be cut, burning or causing to be burnt, there will be no evil as a result of that. No evil would accrue. Or if one to go along the north bank of the Ganges, giving and causing to be given, sacrificing and causing to be sacrificed there will be no merit as a result of that no merit would accrue in giving, self-control, abstinence and telling the truth there is no merit and no merit accrues so this is Purana Puranakasapa and the king goes well that hasn't done me any good <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh-huh. so he wanders off and they all come, the other, I won't go through all of them you recognize these were mostly recited so that you couldn't read them. Therefore, they're, they're, they're often extremely repetitive and, and heightened and dramatic to really thump the message in because you'd only, you'd only hear it. So they get even weirder. And there's, there's some of them very strange
1: uh, uh,
0: ideas. There is no cause or condition for the purification of beings. There's no self power or other power. No apparent humours, no strength, no force, no vigour or exertion. All beings live without control, experience fixed course of pleasure and pain. There were 1,400,000 principal sorts of birth and 6,000 others and again 600. 500 kinds of karma, half karma, 62 paths, six classes of humankind, eight kinds of human progress, 4,900 occupations, 4,900 wanderers, 4,900 abodes of Nagas, 2,000 sentient existence, 3,000 hells, 36 places of dust, seven classes of rebirth as conscious beings, seven as unconscious beings, seven as beings free from bonds, seven grades of devas, men, goblins, seven lakes. So there is no such thing as saying by this discipline or practice or austerity or holy life, I will bring my unripened karma to fruition. So this is a kind of fixed. You, you just got to sit in this mess until things wear out. So in various ways, the um, these six say there is nothing, no good results of good deeds, nothing given bestowed often in sacrifice, no fruit or result of good or bad deeds, not this world or the next. So there's no possibility of moving, you know, of you directing yourself to a better place whatever you however you conceive that. No mother, no father, there's no, you don't belong to anything. Um, you have no, you don't arise from anything. And no one, no pilots, no world, no ascetics or Brahmins who have attained, who proclaim this world and the next. It's just, so this is the, uh, I mean, so again, the king, you know, well, so, um, and then the Buddha, he goes to see the Buddha, and the Buddha t- says exactly the opposite. <laughs> you know, there is a... Uh, there is a results of good and bad deeds. So The Buddha teaches uh, uh, an imminent and direct uh, navigation through the cosmos, and this is the first navigation principle. So this is the first presentation of right view, um, in, in essence. It's been abbreviated there. There is that which is given, that which is offered, that which is sacrificed. There is the fruit and result of good and bad actions. There is this world, another world, and that's put very vaguely, but it means, you know, you can move on to where your, your inner domain will change, you know, from being wherever you were you know, you're frightened, nervous, repressed into something more happy, bounteous, you know you, there is different is another world, and at the break of the body, that's where you're going. <laughs> uh, and this wasn't, this wasn't, as you see, in these, these um, six teachers, some of them did not have that view. So the idea that rebirth was a standard view of the time is not correct. Um, none of these teach rebirth um, um, yeah. or further birth. Mm. but the Buddha says he, his insight was there was a way in which this immateriality would you know again uh, continue rolling on. and the principle of that being the principle of karma. Um, Not just um, haphazard, um, you know, things wearing out, but decisive intended action. Decisive intended action moves you on. And so, therefore there is one way of decisive action, there is giving, offering, sacrificing. Good and bad deeds, and there are pilots. Good virtues recluses brahmins who can point and say "Do this, do that, go this way you know turn left there <laughs> or bear with this, it will pass. <laughs> don't freak out <laughs> So it's a meaningful universe and that you, you are already in it uh, so that uh, if one is not uh, some way making one's life meaningful and potent in this way, then it will become, um, it still has meaning, but it will have a a negative meaning to it. You'll feel hopeless, pointless, um, uncertain, confused, zigzagging, uh, knocked around by circumstances. You'll be, your boat will have no pilot in it. Therefore, this was always considered, this is the most important uh, principle to establish yeah. For our welfare, and the Buddha very keen to um, to establish that. And you see, with this, none of it giving it's not so esoteric, is it? It's very, you know, earthed. So he's not saying first of all you've got to believe in me, but no, no, this, I, I offer this to you for your welfare. And you know, in a way, uh, when the Jata comes to see the Buddha his he, Buddha is sitting in this assembly hall and immediately he walks in the hall and he sits down and says, wow, what's this? Yes, you can feel the deep peace of the, so, you know, this is the result. He didn't need any, any discussion, it was immediately this is where peace of mind is. It's, you're walking right into it, and then the Buddha, then he, Buddha tells him, you know, the path. Yeah. And in that particular sutta, he gives more emphasis to the um, uh, renunciation path aspects of it. Again, in very, often it, it begins in very, very this earthly terms. Um, he's saying, well, you know, if, if you, you had a, sl- a servant and the servant decided he was gonna, uh, you know, give it things up, shave off his hair and beard, wh- what would you do? Would you, you demand that he come back to serve? And he said, oh, no, we'd make offerings to him. <laughs> he said, well, this is a great advantage, isn't it? You know, before, you've, before you've even done any practice, just doing that, he said that immediately takes you out of the being the subject of the king. And the king recognizes it. So there's a sense of so innately um, established that if you want some uh, you know, real guidance, you go to the pilots and the people who actually you know put aside their territory on this plane so they can specialize in, in the, the vertical. Yeah. And so that, that's why, of course, the king goes to see the Buddha and these other other uh, recluses so it's, it's 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 not explained because in a way at this time it didn't need to be explained. it was obvious that's where you went to. If you're sick, you go to a doctor, yeah so that you don't have to you know reason it out <laughs> so uh, and then that feeling of the the you know, the react of of relinquishing one's hold on this piece of territory. That is immediately, um, it doesn't leave you in a kind of, you know, what's my insurance? What about my driver's license? What about, you know, because it, it, you know, for these people, there was a sense in which, well, now you you go to this plane because that's always there anyway. And most of us are busy, too busy dealing with this stuff to really specialize on this other level. But, you know, to do that is, well, it's great. This is immensely worthwhile. And we support that so much so that uh, kings would often set aside areas in their territory. This is for the recluses to dwell in. You know, it's good luck for us because they're the people who are guiding the universe. Um, So we better make sure they're looked after.
1: Uh,
0: Right. And that might be various ways. And so the Brahmins would tend to do that by um, doing some mantras and spells and so forth or making offerings. And they might get, you know, the gods to be benevolent. And the summoners use a different track, which is the uh, personal realization rather than uh, cosmological intervention. But, you know, in a way that Buddha first, he doesn't, doesn't sort of say we're the best team in town. He said, well, either of these are something good, you know. <laughs> now in the uh, the Kutadanta Sutta, which is a, the first text of which you have a little snippet, and these are the rather long texts. So I've just... Um, Kutadanta Sutta is your first text. The, which it mentions the graduated... Discourse to Kuta Danta, generosity, virtue and on heaven, showing the danger, degradation and corruption of sense, desires and the advantage of renunciation. And when the Lord knew that Kuta Danta's mind was ready, pliable, free from hindrances, joyful and calm, he preached a sermon on Dhamma in brief, on suffering, its origin, its cessation and the past. Fifth discourse of the long discourses. And um, just to put that in context, Kutadanta is a Brahmin, and uh, he's been given some land by the king of Magadha. So Kutadanta has been given this land. And clearly he's thinking, well, you know, better make make this sacred, you know, I've got my, my territory given to you by the king, better make it sacred, yeah, you know, because you know this is where I'm gonna be based, so how do I bring this the sacred into this particular place? I oh, know what we'll we'll have a sacrifice. So I'll get seven hundred bulls, seven hundred bullocks, seven hundred heifers, seven hundred he goats, seven hundred rams, tied up to sacrificial posts. In other words, a mass slaughter. That's his so that that'll that'll make things sacred. You know? <laughs> by offering these lives to the uh, powers that be. And then the, uh, the fellow Brahmas and householders say to, to him, oh, well, you better go and ask the Buddha about that. Because, <laughs> you know, we've heard he's an arahant, enlightened Buddha. So he's really, you know, top, top notch, um, Pilot, you know, he really knows the cosmos. Are you really go and ask him about what's the best sacrifice. Make sure you get it right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so Kutadanda goes to see the Buddha. And he thinks, I've heard that Gautama understands how to conduct successfully the triple sacrifice with its 16 requisites. Now, I don't understand all this, but I want to make a big sacrifice. So I'll go to the, the ascetic Gotama, the summoner Gotama, and ask him about this matter. So he goes there and goes to visit the Buddha, or ask the Buddha to come and see him. So they advise him to, you know, go and call the Buddha. And kudadanda has got enough savvy to say, oh no, it's not proper for me to summon a Buddha. I go and see him. <laughs> let's get things lined up correctly so he's got some sense of uh, of a hierarchy uh, and in, in those days and to its to to some extent through the modern times his sense of hierarchy was considered uh, appropriate and necessary because if you're not living in a flat plane you know you you want to make sure you, you know you you got the but you, you, where the mountains are, you know how you go up and down. So this sense of uh, it's a hierarchical cosmos, and so therefore there are beings who are living at different levels on that. And we go and check out those who are, are, have relevant knowledge on the various levels of the of the cosmos. So this is this is his way up there. It's not fitting for me to drag him down here. I'll go up there and see him. <laughs> So they say, Well, you, you know, you better. They say to him, Look, this Gotama is really top. If he were to live a hundred yojanas from here, that's yojana was the distance an army could walk, so 10, 15 miles. So if were live a hundred miles away from here, still, you better go there. It would be fitting for a believing clansman to go with a shoulder bag to visit him. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so he's just grabbing you. <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't get in your on your plane you go with your bag and, <laughs> and so they went and um, made courtesies and he says i understand you know the sacrifices so the buddha then hmm he says, it gives him a story uh, i think this is often the the way that the buddha will be indirectly um, teach brahmins and kings there's the way you present something, you don't, you're not too direct because there's a certain sense of how the courtesy is, this man is a man of quality, you know, he's somebody who's got to look good in, the, in, his, in his company, you can't shame him in public, so you don't tell him, you're this, you're that, or the other. He says, well, there's this story, this story, there was a Brahmin in this story, and there was a, somebody wanted to make a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, guess what? <laughs> so it's an analogy, you see. And so, that the, um, the king in this story um, says, Well, you know, he wants to make a sacrifice because things are going wrong. Um, I've acquired extensive wealth, I've buy a wide extent of land, I better make a great sacrifice. So, in a way, you know, the Buddha is kind of nudging Kutadanta to say, You know, well, this is where you're at. But he doesn't do it directly, he presents an image. Of a, pre, of a fable previous life, what would be the best kind of sacrifice to make? And the chaplain, the king's minister in this story, says, "You know well, your Majesty's country is beset by thieves, ravaged, being destroyed, the country's infested with brigands. Bad, you know, it's really t- looking bad, yeah. So make it, make it great again. Uh, but if your majesty would attack this region it would be a wrong thing to do. If your majesty were to think, i oh, get rid of this plague of robbers by executions and imprisonment, confiscation, threats and banishment," the plague would not be properly ended. However, I've got a plan whereby you can eliminate the plague. To those in the kingdom engaged in cultivating crops, give them grain and fodder. To those in trade, give them capital. To those in government, give proper wages. Give them a pay rise. Then these people will not harm the kingdom. Your, your revenues will be great. The land will be tranquil and not beset by thieves. And the people with joy in their hearts will play with their children and will dwell in open houses. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? <laughs> you know, the door is open. There's no there children playing. So it's a lovely uh, image of that. So it basically says, start being generous. Give, give, give. And this is, this is a great sacrifice. Because look at the results. You've made the land sacred through your great giving. Um, then he's sending, there's a, longish passage, but he says, you know, you may have some regrets about this, thinking "Hmm, I'm going to lose a lot of money here, Um, you know, or during the sacrifice I am losing a lot of money, or after the sacrifice I have lost a lot of wealth. In this case, your majesty, you should not entertain such regrets, because there will be those who come to the sacrifice who take life and those who will abstain from taking life. Those who take life, so will be. But those who abstain from taking life will have a successful sacrifice and will rejoice in it, and their hearts may be calmed within. There be Those who take what is not given and those who refrain. Those who indulge in sexual misconduct and those who refrain. Those who tell lies and so forth and those who refrain. Those who harbour ill will and those who do not. Those who have wrong views and those who have right views. To those who have wrong views it will turn out accordingly. But those who have right views will have a successful sacrifice and rejoice in it, and their hearts may be calmed within. So, right view means not right in a normal sense of the word, but I would say acknowledgement of a of a, a potent cosmos. So you see, these are the people who will benefit from this. Yeah. These are the people who you will who, will, who you will find fellowship with, the people who believe in a meaningful cosmos, who are keeping precepts, reliable, trustworthy people, those are the people who are gonna benefit. This is your true investment. And the king's heart is calmed. So I'll have a lot more friends. I'll have a peaceful countryside, you know, wealth, money, so what? Yeah. So this is where it, it turns. Hmm. And then um, and you have to invite um, the ascetics and Brahmins, uh, and summoners, and of course, they don't like animal slaughter. So he says, you know, they'll come because if you don't slaughter the animals, they'll turn up, you know, and that's really good because you've got these people who've got big mojo, you know, <laughs> And they're coming, so just imagine how good that will be if you don't kill any animals. Then they'll all show up. You'll have all this in your in your territory as well. And then also, when you do this, um, all these the, the the other people who come will come, and they'll want to be generous, and so they'll make big, big donations. So they'll be able to offer lots and lots of things. But then you have the chance to then um, say, no, I you know thank you, I'll refrain from that, accepting that, and because of that, they will then distribute their wealth to the general pool, primitive communism. <laughs> we will now distribute our wealth for the, uh, so we'll just put it out there. So everybody just gives up lots of stuff. And so this, his original sacrifice of generosity then brings virtuous people in, encourages virtue, potentizes, and everybody starts chiming in with, well, I can give too. I can do this. I'm part of this. So this sense of this, is uh, this is extremely, you're making it extremely sacred, because now it's not just you that's doing, it. everybody's now potentizing um, a meaningful world where you know, we play with our children, live in open houses, and live peacefully. So then the Buddha concludes the story, and, uh, you know, uh, and Kutadanda says, mm, you know, sits there in silence. And so everybody else in the, in the assembly is roaring with applause, and Kutadanda sitting there and said, well, they say, Well, why didn't you why didn't you say anything? He said, Well, I'm just thinking, you know. The Buddha didn't say, I've heard it, or it must have been like that. He said it as it was. I think that's what actually happened. And uh, so the Buddha says, Yes, that's the way it was. I was the Brahmin chaplain. So then he asked him, Is there anything more simpler, more direct than all this big ceremonial stuff. Uh, He said, oh yes, yes, there's something more direct than that. Um, Just giving, regular family gifts are given to virtuous summoners. That's much more fruitful and profitable than all that. Because these are the people who do not tolerate, or do not attend, or do not show up to the taking of life. So, you know, they're, they're the people who respect you know, the living quality of the cosmos. You know, so, so having these people show up is going to be much more um, potent than, than all the acts of dhāna. In other words, who you give to counts. So is any more sacrifice, even more profitable than that? And he says, oh yes, there is, what's that? He says, yeah, well, mm, If you provide shelter for a sangha from going to the four quarters, so you provide places where these people could settle down in your land. Therefore, you, you know, they're there holding it for you. they are not just visiting. Well, you know, you've, you've got an investment then. Oh, very good. Is anything more potent than that? He says, well, even more potent than that. Even more potent than that. He says, anyone with a pure heart who goes for refuge to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, that's much more potent. In other words, do it yourself. <laughs> and he says, anything more potent than that? And he says, well, yeah, there is. If you undertake the five precepts, that's more more potent than you know all this other stuff. And uh, anything more potent than that? And he says, well, you know, you go forth under the Buddha and you train yourself in the Buddha's training. So, having heard all this. Um, Kuḍaḍanta's mind is now aligned to, to right view, to the process, and the Buddha simply um, simplifies it to this um, synoptic statement, delivered a graduated discourse to Kuḍaḍanta on generosity, morality, and on heaven. Uh, heaven being basically anywhere, lifting in the vertical uh, cosmos. And there's not just one, there's several. Um, um, immaterial experiences uh, that, that can be um, realized. Mm-hmm. Showing the danger, degradation and corruption of sense desires and the profit of renunciation. And when the Lord knew that Kutadanda's mind was ready, pliable, free from the hindrances, joyful and calm, and he preached a sermon on Dhamma in brief, on suffering, origin, cessation, path, And just as a clean cloth, from which all stains have been removed, receives the dye perfectly. So in the Brahmin Kudadanda, as he sat there, there arose the pure and spotless Dhamma eye, and he knew whatever things have an origin must have a cessation. Having experienced and passed beyond doubt, gained perfect confidence in the teacher's doctrine without relying on others. And offers arms, so in other words, it becomes a stream entry. This is this is the phrase, you know, with a spotless vision of the Dhamma arises. It means one has attained stream entry, and to um, you know take unpick the jargon. This means you you understand this. Uh, well, I'm calling the vertical cosmos for one of a better word, the immaterial domain. You understand the path into that. You understand how you travel in that. yeah yeah you understand you know the qualities that can get you to move through that so you know where you're going. Uh, and you know also that that path uh, leads to, you know not just to another heaven but even beyond into uh, what call the deathless element. So this is the stream enter's confidence. They haven't necessarily, they certainly haven't completed it, but the saying is you know that one has once one has established that trajectory that right path and the right means and one feels and you know it in yourself, then it's just a matter of keep practicing, and that's where it goes so, so this is what um, this is this uh, realization that occurs to this Brahmin, Kuta so nice story, and you can see the, you know, the um, the rhetorical play of it, yeah. Yeah. when the Buddha, this person is not his disciple, and he's, he's into the whole Brahminical thing of slaughtering heifers and stuff, so the Buddha says, well, how do you touch this guy, you know. Is into sacrifice. Okay, we'll talk about sacrifice. And he just starts to angle it. And using this respectful term whereby you don't directly address the person, you you generate a story that very much replicates the person's predicament. And then the person gets it and starts to understand what's being taught. And then he, of course, going from this rather fabulous realm of of, um, katiyas and brahmins and so forth down to take refuge, keep the precepts, clear the mind of hindrances. Whereas if we'd have started with that, the Brahmin might have gone, what? <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? But that's that's the way he played it. And just to look at those terms again, um, phrases, on generosity, on dana, And these, remember these are, you know these are translations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I would suggest in, you know in meaningful terms of meaning, these are holistic domains, which means uh, there is what is given and there is giving. And they're non-dualistic. They're holistic it means I am, I do receive gifts, I have been given. Yeah. And to feel how marvelous uh, things arise, Without me being in charge of them, things happen to me, beautiful things happen to me. And so this sense of of wonder that one is in a a universe, it's not just inertia or dead, it's actually potent with good energies that come your way. And of course, bad ones as well. But there is that. Uh, So, you know, this place is alive and it's got some good things in it. And because I am given air, water, life, uh, intelligence, a uh, functioning body, reasonable, you know, I mean, it's not great, but a reasonable brain. <laughs> a few glitches, but, um, you know, wow, I didn't pay for this. <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was given. It was all given. I was born, you know, I, I, got, I got a womb to live in. It didn't last long, but it was, it was, it was you know, a free ride for a while. Uh, and now I have the chance to, I've been given the, the place as a human being whereby I can rapidly determine skillful and unskillful actions which other creatures are limited on. Yeah. I can consider long-term which other creatures don't can't. I can I, have a, I can conceive you know beyond what I can see with my eyes. Other creatures are rather limited with that. So I have this immense capacity to survey the immaterial cosmos. No other creature has that capacity. This has all been given. Uh, wow. And I can give. I can I have potency. I can present something in this. I'm you know, I'm a player in all this. Mm. There is sacrifice, there is the ability to make something sacred. And just remember, take take the knives and blood out of the word sacrifice. And to make to make the sacred. How do I make sacred? Well, I think we'll we'll look into that. Mm. But one of the aspects of this that's referred to in this in this presentation is uh, um, keeping the five precepts is considered a sacred act and an act of generosity because you are offering the gift of freedom from fear. You need not fear me; I will not violate you. you may. Take my words uh, into your heart. You don't have to sniff them out. (laughs) And how, what beauty that makes possible. You know, the lack of defensiveness, the lack of furtiveness, the openness. We're giving that when we keep and sustain the five precepts. I will not contaminate your mind. So you know, this is sacred rather than just trash you know, or meaningless. So one of the qualities that's just to be understood in, in keeping the five precepts, again it's, it's very briefly summarized, is you know you're generating sacred Immaterial potentials. Mm. I say potencies, like, uh, um, well, that's the best word I can use. Seed points, you know, seeding. And like if we look at something, um, the the mind and the body as, as dynamic and energetic experiences, which they actually are, then you start dripping and infiltrating and suffusing that potency of immateriality that we share with general goodwill. And that's affecting other people. And it's reducing their fear. Uh, This is making something sacred. a uh, shared cosmos. Just to move on fairly briefly, the danger, degradation, and corruption of sense desires, because sense desire, REL, um, very much uh, amplifies and exaggerates the benefits of staying, say, on the geographical level. You know, the flat domain of what we can see with our eyes And touch and taste, and so on, which we certainly, you know, we have access to that domain. Uh, And that domain generates qualities of feeling, you know. But because it's always out there through the eye, the ear, the tongue, body and even thought, it's always out there. It's never you have to you have to reach out for it. You have to reach out for it and pull it in. Or ward it off. Because it's out there. That's what the senses do. They see you're in here, all that stuff's out there, so you've got to reach out for it. And because it's it's not innate, it's transient. Very transient. You know, you turn your head and it's gone. You drop the apple from your hand and it's gone. You know, it's it's very transient. And also, you don't have that much power over it. You can't say, let a sunny day happen to me. You know, let it not be this. Uh, So you have to push and, you know, to make it happen. You've got to push it around to, to get those feel goods. And you invent systems that will do it for you as quickly as possible, you know, online. But even though the reaching out is just maybe a finger, <laughs> you know, from your end of it, still the movement. And then what that reaching, what that finger does, it sets off a chain of events, whereby somewhere down the line, you know, that reaching out gets 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 more intense and perhaps even more violent you know, when you somewhere at the end of the line somebody's digging up bits of the planet or knocking down trees or dragging stuff out of the earth you know or that kind of thing well, of course we don't see it because it's just one finger click but that's that's the nature of the sense domain. it does require a reaching out and holding. And a grabbing and are somehow trying to pull in, which is the whole story of the sense realm. And that, you know, it's not necessarily brutal, but that's kind of what the senses do. And of course, as we all recognize, even though it does that, it doesn't really go in. It's a flash of you get the hit, and then, well, have another one. <laughs> It, it's it doesn't it can't go in because it's it's not uh, you know what what are we dealing with we're dealing with feeling perception flash feeling perception based upon something seek that can't go in you like sight sound that's that's of its own nature now if that so there's there's the problem, and sense desire because it doesn't go because it doesn't. You just get hungry for more because you have to have more. You do get some benefit from it, that momentary hit and that momentary ease and that momentary uh, sense of release. But of course, you know, one, one seven, you have to have another one because it's always hooked up to that particular input. And the more that that trajectory on that that movement is encouraged you know and you think well so okay as long as i can keep doing it you know i've got the i've got the money for it i can do it i'll keep doing it so yeah okay but then you've also neglected uh your trump card your your main thing so i don't want to use that word your your <laughs> which is you know the the immaterial heart the qualities of generosity, uh, loving-kindness, virtue, integrity. Um, you have kind of haven't really given them um, full emphasis. And you haven't dwelt in them. So not only the encouragement only just to, to do some good stuff, but also to sit in the results of what has been done and to enjoy it, take it in. And the sensory domain Tends to pull you out quickly and rapidly, and it's uh, you don't you can't you don't get the lingering deepening effect. Yeah. That's the the immaterial can provide, and the immaterial particularly when it's generated through your own intentionality and your own awareness, then you've got something that's on tap, and it can generate uh, deep meanings, uh, uh, release, uh, happiness, contentment, ease. And so you want to emphasize that because the other stuff can't do it. So even though it's not necessarily evil, the, the danger of it is addictive, it's addictive and it's of Limited benefit. Whereas we could be putting in time this other domain which would give us greater benefit. So the profit of renunciation means you definitely shift your your tent, as it were. (laughs) Of course, you know, we're still in this sensory world, body world, we still have that but you're really placing your, your um, primary um, focus on qualities of the heart, qualities of mind, qualities of awareness, and that's the, that's the renunciation story. It's not, you know, they use the word ascetic, and I would, I would question that, that translation. This is not about um, some kind of hair shirt thing. It's about prioritizing your investments. And then, then this naturally this shifting means that one's in the real territory to be cultivated. and You can start to, to plough and clean and groom that that place, so it becomes tidier and free from um, harmful consequences, and result results of careless actions or or, uh, or ignorance. Mm. So, then he says, yeah, just as a clean cloth so you imagine a piece of cloth it's now been opened out and the stains have been removed and it easily drinks in the the uh, um, deliverance liberation teaching so you know most of the work is just opening the cloth recognize we do have a cloth (laughs) you know our our mind which some people don't really know uh, open that up uh, and clear it so it becomes bright and then it becomes available to take in and drink in these uh, liberation teachings, which is the Four Noble Truths. So I'll pause there for now.